Haole Makahiki Ho. Yes, and for the rest of you, Happy New Year and good morning. Welcome to Kahului Baptist Church and a very special welcome to our Louisiana team who is here from Baton Rouge, Jefferson Baptist Church. Give them a hand. Thank you. Thank you for coming all the way here and giving up your time, your effort, your time off to come and serve the church and strengthen the saints here. So uh, get to know them. Uh, if you don't really get time today or rather this morning to know them, uh, they will be here all week. They'll also be here at our beach day, which you are all invited to if you should desire to come today from 2 to 5 at Cam 3, Cam 3 in Kihei, or kind of at the border of Kihei and Wailea. So check it out, 2 to 5 p.m. It is kind of fin for yourself once you get there. So bring your own food, your own chairs, stuff like that. But come hang out, fellowship with us, get to know the team, and just enjoy time together at the end of the year. So uh, that'll be a good time. One more thing before we get into the sermon proper. Uh, I have some new members to present. Uh, these ones I've gotten to know my whole life, literally. Uh, my mother moved to Maui recently from Georgia, and, you know, I gave her all the warnings. Are you sure you want to become a member at the church I pastor? She said yes. So now who's in authority now, right? Yes. Yes. How do you like that? No. Uh, but no, with, uh, with great joy, she can come pull me down by my ear. Um, with great joy, I present uh, my stepdad and mom, Adam, and Deborah Money. Please stand. Please stand. Uh, um, with great joy, I present them for covenant membership at Kahului Baptist Church. So if you are a member in favor of receiving them, say I. And any opposed? It's my mom. It's my mom. No, no, no. Uh, you're in. Praise God. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, they'll be, yeah, go ahead. Give it up. Uh, they'll be in the back. Greet them uh, at the door on the way out or, or at the beach today. Again, come check that out. All right, 2018. You guys ready? You ready for it? Yeah? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's coming, either way. Ready or not, it's coming. We're going to talk about resolutions today, New Year's resolutions, things that we want to do become like, like Matt said, a lot of times it's, it's either lose weight or make money, get rich or die trying, right? That's kind of the, the general, let's do this, right? So we're going to talk about that today. I am of the belief and opinion that Christians should be the most resolute people on the planet. We should be the most resolved people who live. Why? Because we have infinite resources that back our good resolves, which we're going to talk about this morning. We have a limitless, literally a limitless, infinite capacity to do the good works that God places it in our hearts to do by faith. And we're going to talk about that. What's better a lot of people don't like to make New Year's resolutions. Why? Because only about eight people out of a hundred actually keep them. And so when we don't keep our resolution, what happens? We feel guilty, condemned, shame, bad. And so we don't like to do that. But for the believer, for the believer in Christ who, who has taken the penalty of our sin, who has died in our place, bore the wrath of God, given us new life, given us a new heart with new capacities for joy, for us there is no condemnation. Amen? And so when we fail, when we struggle, when we stumble, my headset's given me problems the past few weeks. When we stumble... We truly can press on in the work. We can rise again. The righteous man stumbles seven times and rises again. Why? Because Christ is at work in all who believe. Every one of you who believes, Christ is at work. 
And so we can make resolutions. I would encourage you, you should make resolutions. You should make resolutions in the new year. If you fail in your new resolutions in March or February or next week, you should make new resolutions. You should do this. You should make realistic resolutions. Some of you like to aim low, though. You're like, okay, I'm going to write resolutions, all right? Resolved not to write 2017 instead of 2018. That's some of you. That's some of your resolutions. I was thinking this week, you know, if I have a dog, what would her resolution be? Or his? To find out who's a good boy. Resolve to find out who's a good boy in 2018. They keep asking me, who's a good boy? I'm going to find it out. That might be their resolution, but... For real, some of you are just now getting that. You're like, oh, okay, right? If you're a spider, resolve to not take the water spout to go up. You'll get that later. But we should be a people resolved to do more and more good works for the glory of God, to spread the gospel of God in 2018. And we're going to come to that from 2 Thessalonians. The title of the sermon today is Every Good Resolve. Every Good Resolve. Now, let me give you some context, some background, because we've been in Exodus, all right? And Exodus is an amazing story. So next week, we're going to pick up our final leg of Exodus. We have about 12 more sermons and we will finish it off. So we are going from Sinai, and we're going to end it in Exodus 40. Where are we going to be? You'll just have to see what happens, right? But Exodus is the story, the unfolding plan of God. How can a good and holy and just God dwell amidst a sinful people? The answer, we've been singing all morning, grace, grace. And Christ, mediated through the only begotten Son of God, given to us by faith and repentance in Him. We're going to take a break from Exodus. We'll get back to there next week. But this week, we're in Thessalonians. Now, Paul has written to the church in Thessalonica. And what he's doing is he is encouraging them during a time of persecution, during a time of suffering. And he is, in some ways, praising them for their endurance. And so he's, he's writing to encourage them, to strengthen them. At the same time, he's going to clarify some doctrinal matters concerning the second coming of Christ. Now, some have said that this church in Thessalonica is a model church, actually, is one of the good model churches that we should strive to be like, because Paul is always praising them. We come in verse 4. If you're in 2 Thessalonians 1, 4, essentially Paul is praising them for their perseverance and their steadfastness and their endurance amidst hardship and telling them everybody who hears about this is encouraged. Keep it up. It's magnifying the gospel. Stand firm. He then goes on in verses 5 through 10, and he's going to encourage them. How? He's going to encourage them with the second coming of Christ, which is amazing. He encourages them with the second coming of Christ and what it means for them and for those who are persecuting them. If you read that, it's not good. Right? It's like flaming swords of fire and vengeance and fury. It's just it's not good for the unbeliever. But for them, we will marvel at Christ when he comes. For them and for us, we will marvel at Christ. And on the basis of this second coming... Paul proceeds to pray for them in our passage today. In verses 11 and 12, Paul prays for them. And we're going to see what the word has for us. Let's pray. Father, teach us. Teach us on this last day of 2017 in new ways by your spirit for your glory. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Father, we desperately need to learn to redeem the time for the days are evil, to put our hand to the plow and work in the victory that you have given your people. And so may that happen today. May sleeping saints be awoken from their slumber. May we set our hearts anew to the task 
of the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. And Lord, would you see many, many in Maui come to faith through Christ, many in Hawaii, many in Louisiana, many across this planet hear the gospel and believe. There are some here, Father, who are hurting at the end of this year. They are struggling in pain for various reasons. I pray that you would strengthen their souls like these Thessalonians, that you would nourish them with the word, that you would comfort them with your promises and build them up with hope, full of hope, and see that you have a good purpose, a good plan for their life in Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, point number one. I have two points, incredible resources. Incredible resources is number one. Number two will be invincible resolutions. Number one, incredible resources. Number two, invincible resolutions. Let's get to it. Paul says, for this reason or to this end, I pray in verse 11. To this end, we always pray for you. So, right? So, second coming of Christ, to this end, we always pray for you. And so, the first thing we see is that Paul is praying for these people. When? Seldom? Always. Always. See, for Paul, prayer isn't just an appointment that he keeps. It's not something he, he does in the morning. Uh, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to continue with the rest of my thing. I'm going to go to prayer. I'm going to continue with the rest of the things that I have to do. No, for Paul, prayer is not an appointment he keeps. It is the environment that he lives in. It is what he is always doing so that he can say, pray without ceasing. Now, that takes a whole different dynamic, a whole different perspective to our prayer life. Because we normally think of that prayer life where I'm at home, boom, amen, God be with me today, strengthen me, and I'm off to, to work. But for Paul, he's in a constant state of prayer. So we could say he both has an appointment of prayer and he also is in a constant state of prayer. If you go to the grocery store, you look at some eggs or meat or something, and, and on some of them there will be a little certified humane. And if you read what that says, it says, these chickens were raised in an enriched environment. Whatever that means... We could say the believer ought to live in this type of enriched environment of prayer versus prayerlessness. What is prayer? It is quite simply talking to God. Perhaps in 2018, we can begin to cultivate this environment, this constant conversation or mindfulness with God. We're going to flesh that out later at the end. Paul always prays for them. Now, what does he pray for? What do you pray for? Perhaps you pray that the Lord would keep your family from temptation. Keep them out of trouble. Keep them safe. Make them healthy. Help them to love Jesus more. We pray for these things for our family and friends and selves? Yes, these are good things. We ought to pray these things. Add this to your list of things to pray. What do they pray for? Paul prays that God would make them worthy of his calling. You ever pray that for yourself, for your spouse, your children, your loved ones, your coworkers, the ones that you don't like? Give them a calling, Father, and then make them worthy of it. Paul prays, make them worthy of his calling. This is, I always pray for you that God would make you worthy of his calling. What does that mean? That God would make you worthy of his calling. One of the first things we have to say is that God doesn't save us because we deserve it, right? So that's not what he's praying for, that, that God would make you worthy enough for your salvation, therefore, so that you can be saved. Oh, no, that's not what Paul is saying. God does not save us because we're worthy. 
That's not it. Amen? I hope you'd say amen. It's not by our works. It's not because of our works. It's not ultimately because of anything that we do. It is wholly by His grace, His good pleasure that He saves sinners. So, so what does this mean then for God to make us worthy? It means simply this, that God saves the unworthy and then makes the unworthy worthy. That's what it means. God saves the unworthy and then makes the unworthy worthy by his power at work in them. That's what it means. Put simply, God brings you to faith in Christ and then radically transforms your life. Brings you to faith in Christ, radically transforms your life. Now, this really cool thing happened. Uh, We went home with a caterpillar two weeks ago. Okay, that's not the time for, you'll see a video later in the sermon, it's not that time, right? But God, we brought home, uh, God brought home a caterpillar, he gave us a caterpillar, right? But we brought home this caterpillar, and this caterpillar ate and eventually went into uh, the top of our little bug cage, and he started to hang upside down, and within a span of about three minutes, he stuffed himself into a cocoon. I don't know where he pulled it from, because it was so fast, I just saw the end, and it looked like you know, somebody trying to squeeze into something too small for them. And, and, and then his head popped off, and, and that was really weird right at the end. And, yeah, it was an incredible. You should get some caterpillars and take them home and watch this, all right? And, and so, and then he went into the cocoon, and, and we've been waiting with great anticipation to watch every day, watching this cocoon. This week, they came out. They emerged. And we missed it again because they're so fast. It's not like, you know, they're just, they come out really fast. But... I got interested, and I was like, what happens inside that cocoon? I wanted to know. And I was stunned to find they still don't know exactly how it goes. They, they don't know exactly the process that drives it. They know the, the legs of the process. They know what happens in the process, but they don't know what drives that process of metamorphosis. It's crazy, but what they do know is that the caterpillar inside the cocoon completely liquidizes. It turns into a goo. Its entire body re-liquidizes the molecular structure, reorganizes itself, and turns into a butterfly such that it is so radically transformed that there is nothing the same when it comes out. Not a single thing is the same. Not its brain, nothing. It has all been completely re- organized. It is a new creature. Wow. That's crazy. And beloved, this is what God does to us. Make them worthy of their calling. You came to Christ unworthy. He saved you out of your sin, and then he's going to radically change you over time in a cocoon. It feels small and painful at times and uncomfortable, and then you're going to emerge as something totally different. And that totally different will begin to happen now, but fully at glorification when Christ comes again. Radically transformed. Make them worthy of their calling. Now, this word calling also deserves a little bit of attention. Actually, it deserves a lot of attention, but maybe in another sermon. In Paul's writing, the word call, make them worthy of their calling. In Paul's writing, calling is a little bit different than when you read in the Gospels. The Gospel writers use the word calling. You might see many are called, but few are chosen in the Gospels. In Paul's writing, in his epistles and Romans and such, this always refers to God's effectual call through the Gospel that will inevitably bring the one called to faith in Christ. This is what the word call always does in Paul's epistles. It refers to the effectual calling of the Gospel that will inevitably bring the one called at his time and at his will to the gospel, to faith in Christ. Now, this is, you see in a passage, it's just one for time's sake, Romans 8.30. This is what we might call the the golden chain of redemption, the, the chain of salvation. Those whom he predestined, he also called. There it is. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. 
So it's one unbroken chain. Everybody who's predestined is what? Called. And all that same group there, all the called are what? Justified. That happens at faith in Christ. All the justified are what? Glorified. Not one is lost, Jesus said. What does that mean? If we go back to my little caterpillar, you're in your cocoon, not one of you will fail to come out. Not one of you will fail to become what God intended you to be. He is going to bring you to faith. He will complete the end of your faith. And he will glorify you as he has purposed. Christ will accomplish his mission to save his people from their sins. And he will be with us from beginning to end. Amen? Amen. Because of this, Paul prays to God. And because he is praying to God and God is the primary actor in all of this, we have incredible, limitless, infinite, resources because it's nothing less than God who's at work point two point two what does Paul pray for this is point two invisible resolution invincible resolutions what does Paul pray for that God would what fulfill accomplish every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. It's the second part of verse 11. That God would fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. That's what he's praying for. Make them worthy of his calling to fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Let's break that down. What does it mean for him to fulfill? That God would bring to completion. That God is going to be the one to accomplish it. So know this. You're going to make a decision. You're going to make a resolve. Whatever that is, I'm going to press on you and give you some ideas. But you're going to decide some things. You ought to decide some things if you aren't. Or to continue doing things that you already are doing. You're going to make a decision. And know this. That God is the one. God, not you ultimately. God is the one who is going to bring it to completion. He is the one who's going to fulfill that. Uh, now that I have children, I'm finding more and more, my son or daughter will start something, say destroy something, and expect me to finish it or put it back together. All right? They'll take something out of a box and destroy it. They might put one or three pieces on, and then they want me to do the rest. This is exactly what God does with us. We start a good work, and he is our good father, and he sees that work, and he does what we couldn't do in our own strength. He brings it to completion. That God would fulfill every good resolve. Every resolve for good work. Now, we have to let God define good, don't we? Because we have different approaches to good. Somebody might say, this is good. Somebody says, no, 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 this is good. We see this in our political debates. I won't wade deep into them, but we have two primary parties, don't we? Republican and Democrat, all right? And we can get into this war because the Republicans will say, no, this is good. Democrats will approach something and say, no, 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 this is how we approach and accomplish this good thing. And on and on the battles will go. So we have to let God define what is good. And I'm going to leave the political arena now, all right? So just leave that there. I won't get too much. In. So I'm leaving that now. We have to let God define what is good or else we'll have this. I think this is good. No, I think this is good. No, I think this is how we should do it. No, let's let God define it. Remember, a young man said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, why do you call me good? None is good except God. God alone is good. And what Paul prays is that he would that God would fulfill every resolve for good, every good resolve. And so as we get to know God, as we get to love God, as we hear his voice in his word, as we speak to him in prayer, something starts to happen. Have you ever been around somebody so much that you 
begin to like the things they like, and at first you thought it was really dumb, but now you're like, okay, I kind of like that too. And then some things you're still like, okay, that's really dumb still, but I love you and I'll tolerate them. But you begin to be around people so much that you can talk to them without saying a word. You ever done that? With your spouse, you, you just look at them and their eyes say it all. Nobody else would know around them, but their eyes tell it all. This is the way it is with God. As we get to know God in relationship with Him, our desires, our thoughts become conformed and more and more in tune with Him such that our desires become His desires or His desires rather become our desires and He conforms us and molds our mind, our thinking into His image and likeness into Christ-likeness. And to that resolve, or to that end, we make resolves that are good. And so the scriptures can say, delight yourself, what? In the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Because your heart, as you delight in the Lord, your heart begins to pray more and more like Christ, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because as you delight yourself in the Lord, you delight yourself in the things he delights in. And you begin to pray after and seek after and resolve after the things that he says are good. And the next one is important. In every work of faith by his power. Every work of faith by his power. Because if we try to do our good works in our own power we would actually blaspheme God. Because if we did it in our own power, who gets some of the glory? We do. If I do something in my own strength, no thanks, God, I got this. Not only will it fail, but it is an offense to him. Because he told us, abide in me, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Paul prays that God would fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So these are to be faith-motivated works of good, relying on the power and promise of God to do them in us. Here's what this means on a side note. You should resolve to do more than you feel comfortable or capable of doing in your own strength. You should make goals as you look into 2018. You should make goals. We say realistic, yes. And on the other hand, they should be bigger than you would feel comfortable doing in your own strength. Why? Because God is at work in you who believe. That's why. And you're going to fulfill every work of faith by his power. So let me ask you this. Let's transition in the time we have left. What do your resolves for every good work look like in 2018? What are you planning now? We're going to go from, yeah, that sounds good, God's grace saved me, to just real nit-gritty, street-level stuff. What do your resolves for every good work look like in 2018? I'm going to encourage you, as Matt did, let your resolves be primarily spiritual in nature first. And you will find that will work its way out into every aspect of your life. So let me give you the first one. This will come as no surprise. Resolution number one from a pastor. What would you expect it to be? Read your Bible. You got it. Some of you were like, oh, read your Bible. Resolve to read your Bible. Now, we can put that video up here, Erica. Uh, how, how often should you read your Bible? One year? Two years? Maybe read it through in a year. Read it through in two years. How, how, what, what pace should you read? Three chapters a day, five chapters a day, and it can go up whenever. Check this out. Look at these caterpillars. So this is actually a time-lapse video I took uh, with my phone, way better than any Android would catch 
this detail. Uh, so I hope you can enjoy this now, right? So um, look at them. They just, this was over about five minutes, and they just ate and ate and ate and ate and ate and ate. And ate. All they did is just eat. They would just eat all day. They wouldn't stop. They just continue. We'd take a leaf out. They'd finish it off. We'd stick a new one in, and they would continue to just eat. Some of you are like, I think I want to be a caterpillar for New Year's. <laughs> I just want to eat. And they just continued to eat and eat. That's it. It's just a video of them eating. Time-lapse video. Yeah, you guys want to see it again? If you want to see it again, it's on my Facebook page or whatever. Just check it out there. Church YouTube page, all right? Why show you that? How much do you eat or read? Let me tell you this. That caterpillar eats and eats and eats until it changes. It eats, it stuffs itself until it changes, till it's time to change. So let me encourage you, beloved, how much should you read your Bible a year, one, one time in a year, two times in a year? Let me give you this. Read it until you change. Don't be satisfied if you haven't changed, you're not done. Read it until you change. Now, I get lots of excuses often. I don't like to read. I'm not a reader. I don't have time to read. God didn't make me that way. And then all of a sudden, you start to sound like my children when I want them to eat their vegetables. My stomach hurts. I don't like it. And I love what I heard from one of our members when I was at their house for dinner. We still use it. You don't have to like it. You just have to eat it, all right? And so we still use that with our children. I don't like it. You don't have to like it. You just have to eat it, all right? Eat it, read it until you change. Redeem the time. There's audio Bibles. You can listen in the shower for crying out loud. You can get a $20 waterproof Bluetooth speaker, stick that bad boy in your shower or in the bathroom, and listen to it while you're in the shower and getting ready in the morning. You can listen to it while you work out. You can listen to it on your way to work. You can read and meditate. There's all sorts of things you could do. Or, or... Maybe some of you should turn off the apps because on my phone there's so many little distractions and notifications that if I'm reading and one of you texts me because you love me, all of a sudden I get distracted and I look at the text or, and then whatever, you're on doing all sorts of things. There's so many little distractions. Maybe some of you should 2018 go old school and get a paper book out, a paper Bible and read it that way. No distraction, so you can totally turn your phone off or on silent or whatever until you're done. Redeem the time. Eat, read till you change. There's another problem that you may need to work through. It may not be that you don't like to read, because I found many people who say they don't like to read or don't have time to read, but you read newspaper articles and blogs and all sorts of things. So the problem may not be that you don't like to read. The problem may be that you've never been taught to read a book like the Bible. The Bible is different than any other book on this planet. And we've only been taught in grade school and on to read books that we could say, for lack of a better word, are dead books. We read them through cover to cover put them off to the side. And so when we come to the Bible, we're supposed to read it time and time again. So we've never been taught how to approach, how to read a book that is not dead. It is alive. And the testimony of so many believers who do this time and time again, myself included, is I'll read it through and I'll go and read it through and it's like it's different. It's the same, but it's different. It's, it's almost like it changed over the year, but it didn't. I see things I didn't see before. It is a living book, and we have to be taught how to learn and read this book that is alive. And to that end, you can take Matt's class, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life, where we are learning how to read and meditate and pray. And the testimony of many that have taken that class, many, some who have been believers 20 years, 30 years, 5 years, is how come I was never taught this before? incredible. The book is alive. It is a living book. And as you learn how to read this book that's alive, as you do it, you will find it is a lamp to your feet 
It is light to your path. It is food for your soul. It is fire for your bones. It isn't a newspaper, but it's full of good news. It's not a painkiller, but it is a sin killer. And it's stronger than any antidepressant you will find in the market. It'll feed you more than your news feed, I promise you this. It isn't Facebook, but it is a grace book. It's the word of the living God. When you look at it, it looks like a page but feels like a mirror. When you read it, unlike any other book, you actually find it's reading you. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to discern the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Beloved, this is the only living, true, abiding word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will remain. It is a living book. Resolve to read it and consume it until you change or until he calls you home. 2018. Resolve to read the Bible. Number two, second thing, resolve to pray always. What does that mean? And cultivate that environment of prayer. Pray always. Pray for your family. Keep a list, a notebook. Log answered prayers. That's kind of one of the things we do in journaling. We log God's grace in your life. Matt's talking about that in spiritual disciplines. Pray always. Pray for people. Pray with people. Pray with people. Do you hear that? Don't just say, I'll pray for you. Stop, then and there. Could there really be anything more important than praying with somebody who asked you to pray for them? I mean, is lunch that important? The hostess can wait three three more minutes. So if somebody asks you, please just pray for me, I've been struggling, stop. Let's do it. Is, Is there something stopping us? Let us pray. And pray with them. Pray for people, pray with people. There's another book that some of you should consider making your way through in 2018. That would be this bad boy right here. What is this? This is the Kahului Baptist Church member directory. I challenge you, in addition to making it through the Bible, pray through this in 2018 multiple times if you can. Did you know this book has names, addresses, social security number, bank account? No, I'm kidding. But did you... Did you know this is not printed so that you can send out Christmas cards and birthday invitations for your parties? That is not the primary function of this book. You know what the primary function of this book is? For you to pray and engage in spiritual warfare with and on behalf of your fellow brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. That's what this is for. And what happens when you pray through this is you come across a name like, hmm, who is this Keith and Tracy Sanders? I've, I've never met them. I don't know them. Why? Because I sit back here and they sit up here. I've never met them. I should get to figure out who this is. Oh, this is the ones who just had their daughter had a grandbaby. Wow, I should maybe congratulate them. Or re- right? You start to do these things and you, you pray for And you might not get to be best friends with them, but you may know them. And you may get to hear their testimonies and what God is doing in their life and through our church. That's what this is for. Resolve, perhaps, to pray through this book. There's even to help you, a list of things to pray for, because sometimes I sit down and I don't, I, my mind just, spiritual warfare just flatlines. It's as if all day I got stuff going through here. It won't shut up. At nighttime it won't turn off. But I go to pray and it's crickets. And so sometimes having a list of things to pray for can help me. There's all sorts. Pray for our witness of unity and diversity. Wow. We're so different in here. Pray that we would be united, even though we're so different. Different cultures, different backgrounds, different family structures, all sorts of things. Pray for our witness of unity in the midst of diversity. Pray for our daily lives this week at work, at home. Pray that we would do what is good, honor God, and commend the gospel. Wow. That's what this is for. So to help you in your prayer, you can pray through these things. Resolve to pray. Number three, resolve to engage in the good work of overcoming sin in your life. 
Resolve to engage in the good work of overcoming sin in your life. You're not a slave to sin. Do you realize that? Its power, because of the work of Christ on the cross, is broken. You, you Once you were a slave. Now you are free. Walk in the freedom that is yours. Resolve to engage in the good work of overcoming sin in your life. Which means this. We should stop making excuses for our sin. We should stop walking in the past. We make things, we say things like, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't know my past. You don't understand my past, Pastor Randy. And you are absolutely right. And I'm absolutely right. You don't understand the present power of God at work in your life. The past is back there. Influential? Yes. Did it shape and have a bearing on who you are today? Absolutely. And will God use every bit of it for his good purposes such that one day every tear will be wiped away and you will say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. He is full of wisdom. Who has been his counselor? Nobody. Understand the present, the present power of God at work and available to you to overcome sin and put it to death. To that end, don't resolve to just stop a particular sin. That's what we normally do. I'm going to stop being angry. I'm going to stop lusting. I'm going to stop being fearful. I'm going to stop being irritable. I'm going to stop, right? This is what we do. We just, just, I'm going to stop it. Just stop it, sin. So that's the approach we take to battling sin. And does it work? Not generally. Very good. Don't resolve to just stop. Make a plan. Make a plan to attack your sin, to overcome it, to find out when you are weakest and when you give in to this particular struggle the most. We could say, send spies into the land of your temptation. Send spies before, before Israel would go in in the book of Joshua and conquer the promised land. They sent out what? Spies into the land of Canaan. How many? Twelve. They sent twelve spies. It's okay, we haven't gotten that far yet. They sent twelve spies. Ten of them came back and gave a bad report. Two of them came back and gave a good report. What were those two's names? Joshua and Caleb. What about the other ten? What was their names? Nobody knows. You don't know. Why? And so it shall ever be with those who turn from faithfulness in God. I don't know who they are. Joshua and Caleb established forever for their faith in the Lord. Send spies into the land. What does a spy do? He observes the practices, the habits, the tactics, the resources of the enemy so that he can use them against them on the day of battle, doesn't he? Send spies into the land of your temptation. When am I tempted? Where am I tempted? How am I tempted? What happened before I found I struggled? What happened after I found I struggled? How can I do it better? Get somebody to come with you. There was Joshua and Caleb together who were faithful. Get a partner in your battle to overcome this sin. Resolve to overcome sin in your life. Number four, resolve to engage the church, the body. Resolve to engage the church body, not just on Sunday mornings. Man, amazing, amazing. We had about 20 people here on church work day, and they just destroyed everything and put it back together in an amazing way. They did awesome. Our Louisiana team are just fantastic. And I just thought to myself, what would it be like if we had 20 members here for every workday, I can tell you this. We would not be on this property for very long doing work. We would be out in the community helping and blessing others as salt and light in our world and sharing and spreading the gospel. Twenty people, we would knock out projects like this and move on, like locusts in a field, just devour it and move on. 
Go help Maui Christian Academy. Build up people there. Go help other places. This is a massive area that you can engage in and see much harvest done for the sake of the gospel just in showing up. Or another way that you can engage the church, man, just walk through this directory. Get to know your brothers and sisters. Invite people over for dinner, maybe from the church. This is happening more and more, and I love hearing about it. You guys are loving on one another. You're inviting each other over for dinner. If you haven't done that, man, start to work through this. Find somebody, get to know them, and invite them to your house. Show them some biblical hospitality and fellowship around the gospel and have conversations like, how long have you been at the church? What brought you to the church? How did you get saved? Right? How, did the, how is the Lord working in you right now? How can I be praying for you? Right? And just hear one another's stories. And what you'll find is we have a lot of amazing people that God has just done amazing things in our church. And I love hearing the story of God's grace and all sorts of different lives. Resolve to engage the church in new ways and different ways. If you're not part of a small group, resolve to be a part of a small group, perhaps. Or Sunday school, so that you can be equipped to speak and encourage others with the gospel. Which leads us into our next one, number five. Resolve to speak the gospel. Speak the gospel. We should not let another year go by if you have not without telling somebody the gospel. This is our job. This is our mandate. This is to be the end of which we are living our lives for the glory of God, to spread the gospel of God all across this planet. Resolve to share the gospel with somebody this year or multiple people with somebody this year if you haven't. Say, man, Lord, help me never to let another opportunity to share the love of Christ and the power of God to somebody else around me. Speak the gospel to others. Encourage one another with the gospel. Here's one. We're almost done. Number six. Resolve to contribute instead of being critical. Resolve to contribute instead of being critical. Many people, by our nature, by our default, due to our sin nature, grow up or have heard or have a pattern of speaking critically, negatively, judgmental, harsh about anything that happens. This happens in the workplace. You hear it in the workplace and you hate it. Man, it's just negative, just negative all the time. Just they did this wrong and they did that wrong. And sometimes that can come into the church, can't it? Inevitably, somebody's going to walk in, see our fellowship hall painted. Inevitable. It's just going to happen. They did a great job. The lines are going to be tight. They're, they are tight. They're going to be tight when they finish. And inevitably, somebody's going to say, who chose the paint? Never mind the fact that you haven't shown up. Yeah, the mission team. We'll blame it on them, right? <laughs> Never mind the fact that nobody's offered to paint it prior to that. So we can take these critical approaches. Who painted? Who did this? Why is this like this? Right? Rather than contribute. Come alongside. You know what? If there's an issue, I'd love to help address it. Let me, how can I help serve? So many times people will look at pastors or those in ministry, and I have no doubt my Louisiana team who are in ministry, a lot of them will amen this. So many times people We'll look at, man, how come our church doesn't do this? How come our church doesn't do this? Many times, it's not that the pastors and leaders don't want to do those things. It's that they don't have the help necessary to do those things. Amen. And yes, I see them shaking their head. Yes. They have the help necessary. Those would be great. Do them. Resolve by the grace of God to contribute instead of being critical Encourage one another with your tongue rather than breaking them down with your tongue. James 3.8, no human being can tame the tongue. No human can tame the tongue. But God can. Every work of faith by his power for his glory. I gave you guys a Thanksgiving challenge. Some of you told me the Thanksgiving challenge, if you weren't here, was 
Resolve for 30 days not to say anything critical to your spouse, negative or judgmental to your spouse. And I had a lot of people like, I didn't even make it out of the parking lot. <laughs> I didn't make it out of the, the, the day without that. Maybe that challenge needs to be extended not from 30 days, but to a year where you put off complaining and put on Thanksgiving. Last one, last one. What was the purpose, the final purpose that he praised these things? Verse 12. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you and him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Paul's, Paul prays, make you worthy of his calling, fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Why? So that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. Beloved, we could put it simply, resolve in 2018 not to live for yourself, but so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. We like to reflect and project, my wife and I. Tomorrow's our anniversary, eight years uh, of, yeah, praise God, thank you. Um, eight years we've been married, and we like to reflect on the year prior, what happened, how did it go, uh, what did God do, and then we project. What is God wanting us to do? What is he leading us to do? Things like that, and we write it all down. As you reflect, I would encourage you, take some time doesn't have to be today or tomorrow, but maybe this week. Take some time to reflect on the year 2017. And let me ask you, and you can ask yourself this. What did you accomplish for the kingdom of God this year to advance the gospel, either in your home or in the church? What actions did you take to intentionally advance the kingdom of God insofar as you are able, understanding God is ultimately the one who does this, but what actions did you take to advance the gospel last year? If your answer is nothing or you're trying to, I'm not really sure that I did anything, you want to know what that means? That means you've lived for yourself. It means you've lived for yourself in 2017. Don't wallow in condemnation. Don't wallow in guilt if that's the case. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Rather, in 2018, resolve to live for the glory of God in new ways like never before. And watch, watch God by His power work in your life. The last word to somebody here, maybe you don't know Christ you feel like you're living life without a purpose. You're just washing back and forth in the ocean of life, running from thing to thing to thing, trying to find something that will satisfy your soul. Beloved, come to Christ today. Turn to him by faith. See his work and see how he will change you and give you unending joy. Let's pray. Father, May Christ be lifted up. May your people come to know you by faith. And may we live intentionally, diligently, and purposefully this year. May every resolve for good and every work of faith be completed by your power and for your glory. And may you do this and get all the praise. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory and honor and blessing forever and ever. Amen.